Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey PCC, good morning. Welcome to this series called Family Table, Realizing Your Impact. Now for the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at three key words that can shape how our church can care about kids and teens, but also how our church can care about the community. So this is not just about family dynamics. This is about our church family living into one of our key initiatives called Family Table. And you're going to hear more about that. Now, before we get into the word for today, which is going to be words, because next week is people, and then the third week is love, I want to tell you a story. Story involves freshman Danny, 1994. In fact, there's freshman Danny right there in the picture for you. I know, hold your applause, hold your applause. But I went out for football for the first time ever in my life. Before this, I was a baseball player. And I met my very first football coach named Coach Bible. Please do not let his last name confuse you, because I would say he probably never read a Bible. Now, here's how I know this, because every word that came out of this coach's mouth was demeaning, demoralizing, dehumanizing, destructive. And I could probably think of a lot of other key words that begin with D of how he treated his players. Now, 14-year-old Danny was in shell shock. Here's why. One day at practice, Coach Bible looked me square in the eyes, grabbed my face mask, pulled me in tight and said, you might be the stupidest player I've ever seen. Get back in line. Yeah, that was my freshman year introduction to football. Now, in the moment, well, in the moment I was terrified, let's be real, but looking back on it, that moment, as well as others, and you've had some experiences like that as well, whether it be a boss, neighbor, stranger on social media, that people can say words that have a profound impact on us. The words they use can actually give us dignity or they can be destructive. See, words have impact because words have power. The little riddle that says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Can we just call that out? Because words can hurt. Words leave a legacy impact on us. Words that people spoke to us, we can remember for ages and ages and ages because it does something to us. See, through the power of words, we're able to give dignity. We're also able to take it away. The power of words, we can care and we can give affection. Uh, We can also see words cause some atrocities. Words are really unique. And the reason we're starting this first week of family table, realizing your impact is because words have impact. And by the end of today, I hope you realize that empowering people is more like Jesus than enraging them. We'll get to that a little bit more in a minute, but let me give you a thought. See, here's an example of words. I really love tacos, but also love my family. Is it the same value of love? Someone may say something to me and I go, man, that was, that offended me. Or someone can say something and if they're close to me, if we share proximity, if there's relational trust, that same phrase may actually hurt. Two different experiences could be the same word. It depends on the person it's coming from. See, if I tell my family, I love you as much as I love tacos, what kind of love is that? Now, some of you may go, that's a lot of love. I would disagree. When we see words in our culture, there's something that echoes even from God's heart. And I, think, I believe it to be this. What we say is as important as how we say it. 
Today we're going to be in Matthew 12. So church, I'd love for you to go there, whether it's in your Bible or your Bible app on your phone and start looking up Matthew 12. And we're going to get there, but I want to ask you this question as you look it up. Have you ever spoken a word or phrase that you've instantly regretted? Have you ever spoken a word or phrase that you instantly regretted? For some of you, you just went negative. Like, absolutely. There was this moment I said something, I saw the look in the person's eyes, and I knew I shouldn't have said it. It was hurtful, it was vengeful, it was, it was degrading. Some of you went positive with that question. You're like, I did. I, I knew this secret, and it was, a, it was like a life-changing secret. The person trusted me with it, and I leaked a little bit, and then everybody found out, but we all still celebrated. And it's interesting, that ever speak a word or phrase that you instantly regretted has both experiences connected to it. It could be negative, it could be positive. For me, I've had both. I've been in a setting where someone shared with me something that really wasn't a secret. It was just news that was yet to be shared. And I was in another conversation and I was excited for my friend and I leaked a little bit and I was like, oop. And the minute I did the oop, like someone picked up on it. They're like, no way. And we all celebrated and it was great. But I've also been in the moment, especially as a dad, I've said something. I've seen the look in my son's eyes and I instantly regretted how I said it and what I said. See, none of us are exempt from this because we've all been there. And that's the beauty of Jesus. It's the beauty of Jesus saying, look, I'm calling you to transform life because you're not perfect. And I just want to speak that to our church today. Like nobody is exempt from sin. Nobody is exempt from the reality that we're not perfect, that we're going to mess up, that words we say and how we say it are going to have an impact on people that could be negative. But what Jesus calls us to is a life yet to be seen, a life lived with transformation, a life based on salvation and justification that says, I want to transform you. And that transforming work is ongoing. And that's why we daily want to say, Jesus, today, you're God, not me. So may I follow you. My life is yours. And today, as we say, Jesus, my life is yours. When it comes to my words, I would ask you to think about the conversation when it comes to our church, but also what it means for empowering kids and teens. See, this ability of Jesus to work internally in us allows our vertical relationship with the Father to affect the horizontal relationship with people around us. You've seen, as we've called our body to remind, remember this G4 way of living, to gather, to grow, to give, and to go, is not just about a linear steps, it's a cyclical event that as we continually do this, what we do is we live into a discipleship lifestyle, and that lifestyle allows us to even look at the kids and teens around us and go, hey, I want to join you in this journey. Matthew 12, we're going to see here in a second, Jesus does something powerful with words. But before we go there, I want to give you just a, a nuance. That when you see in the Old Testament, often written in Hebrew, this term heart shows up quite a bit. And see, in Hebrew mindset, the heart was like this visual place of an inner seat and this inner seat is where affection and desire and impulse lived. In the New Testament, you have influence of Greek culture. I mean, Rome had taken over the known world at the time, and so Greek culture was prevalent. And in Greek culture, this idea of heart was this intellect of inner mental framework. And the beauty of it is... God speaks to his people in both settings, in both cultures, and he's still speaking today because one of the very first commands that God gives Israel, his covenant people, is to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And these words I command you today will be on your heart. They'll guide you. Empowering people is more like Jesus than enraging them. 
So let's take a peek at Matthew 12 and see what Jesus has to say. Now, in this setting, Jesus is actually talking to religious leaders, which I love because if you read up a little sooner, the religious leaders actually call Jesus demonic. And he's going, hold up, wait a minute. You're calling me demonic? Well, let's talk about your words. And so Matthew 12, verse 33 is where we're going to start. Matthew 12, 33 is where we're going to start. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Pretty simple, right? You can see a peach tree, see an apple tree, see an avocado tree. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus called the religious leaders vipers, snakes. Now that actually is very strong connotation in Hebrew thought because in the Genesis narrative, Satan shows up as a form of a Satan of a snake. In Exodus, poisonous snakes come out of the wilderness and bite Israel. It's a very strong language that Jesus uses. And this idea of being vipers, it's a reminder of saying, hey, you're like a foolish sinner. You're calling me demonic. You're calling, but let me tell you about your heart. And I love what Jesus does because here's what he says next. He says, the good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. Good internal brings out good. Evil internal brings out evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. That's a strong phrase. Jesus is saying, you want to know what comes out of your mouth? Take a look at your heart. So church, I honestly believe that at the core of what we believe will be revealed in our speech. And our speech is always rooted in our heart. At the core of what we believe will be revealed in our speech. And our speech is rooted in our heart. That's why Jesus is constantly calling people to look at what they do and what they say and what they believe doesn't match. It's why as a church, we're actually saying, can you lean into your care for the people around you that live in the city? Are you okay embracing the diversity of who lives in your neighborhood and say, look, I care about you because you matter, you have dignity of worth. It's why as a church, let's even go beyond that. As a follower of Jesus, we would say, can you look at the words you say and make sure it's not rooted in supremacy, racism, or prejudice. That's why as a church, we're asking you to be mindful that the words you say have legacy impact, especially around kids and teens. Empowering people is more like Jesus than enraging them. Now, I said that the series is also some resourcing and some empowering of our families. And so church, if that kind of isn't you right now, I'd ask you to lean in and still eavesdrop because you have an action step in this. But parents, guardians, grandparents, will you lean in with me for a little bit? Because as I've been talking, I think you've probably had some thoughts of like, I remember that moment in the living room or in the car ride or at the dinner table. I remember that phone call and the words that I used had impact both positively and maybe negatively. And so I want to be able to look at our, our family structures and just say, hey, at the core of what we believe, it's going to be affected in our speech. And our speech is rooted in our heart. Because over time, the words we use around our kids, it's going to have impact on them. And are we encouraging them to be all that Jesus has created them to be? Or are we trying to cookie cutter them into who we want them to be? So before I go on with some parenting conversations, I want you to watch this video. 
Jesus nothing. I love you. I care for you. I'll, I'll be with you. I'll be next to you. I'll protect you. I will cuddle with you. God's with you. You're safe. There's nothing that can hurt you. We're doing great. It encourages me when my mom and dad says, you got this, finish strong. When your mom says you're smart, and when your mom says you did a good job. What makes me feel safe when people it says they say, God is with you, you're safe, and nothing's going to happen. That they love you, and they think you're kind and sweet and good, and are very good listeners, and that they'll never let anything bad happen to you. It encourages me when my mom and dad say, we support you. I think you're beautiful, and I think, and I think you're, you're nice. Bye. Look. Bye. Here's what I want to remind us of. None of us are exempt from the fact that we've had someone in our life use words to impact us, both positively and negatively. The beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus is this. The words of Jesus constantly call us to who we are, not who we think we are. See, the words of Jesus are grace and mercy and forgiveness and redemption and transformation. They're patience and gentleness and self-control. The words of Jesus are love. The words of Jesus are what shape us. And when we as parents and grandparents and guardians, when we reflect that back to our kids, we begin to build into them an echo of what Jesus would say to them. When our church family pauses and says, I want to invest in the lives of kids and teens, then our church family helps parents out in that environment. See, Jesus showed up in the mess. Jesus showed up when it was inconvenient. Jesus walked in the mess, lived in the mess, and that's why Jesus is welcome in our mess. Jesus should be welcome in our living rooms where it's messy or organized. Jesus should be welcome where it's relationally warm or relationally cool. Jesus should be welcome at every moment in how we parent because what we say and how we say it has legacy impact in the kids and teens that God has entrusted to us as parents, as guardians, as grandparents. So what does it look like? I want to get really practical because I think empowering people is more like Jesus than enraging them. And some of the greatest gifts for me as a parent has been when someone has given me an irreducible minimum that gives me a building block. So this is what I want to do. I'm going to take some time and I want to talk about those of you raising preschoolers, elementary, middle schoolers, high schoolers, and I want to give you a word, a word that can have impact in how you parent. See, this word will be a building block. This word will be a spot that you can remind yourself of. And what I want you to do is not write anything down. Because in a second, I'm going to give you an email and we actually have created a resource for parents of preschoolers, of elementary, of middle schoolers and high schoolers. And you're going to get a tip sheet of how to have key conversations in three to four different specific life topics, just as a resource, as a starting spot. So just enjoy and listen. And I'm kidding. You can write stuff down if you really want, but don't feel like you got to catch everything because we're going to email you. For those of you in the preschool age, where there's not enough duct tape to keep the eyelids open or caffeine in the house to keep you moving. Where you're worried about the next poopy diaper blowout or the next mess that you're unable to avoid or can you just get a quick nap in. 
where it feels like your little baby has grown so much in such a little amount of time or those beautiful tummy times turns into crawling times, turns that milestone of the first step. Preschool families, you are what I call survival mode. Now, my two boys are 17 months apart. And for my wife and I, when we were in the preschool ages and our youngest finally hit four, it was like the sun opened up and we could breathe again. And it felt chaotic. It felt like there's always a mess. It felt like there's always something going on. It felt like some of the most heartwarming moments as well. So here's the word. Here's the word that I would encourage you to embrace in the season. Soothing. Can you be a calming voice and a calming presence in an extreme amount of chaos? Your preschoolers have no clue what's going on. They don't even know the word pandemic. They might be able to utter it, maybe, but they don't really know. What they do know is they know you. Can you be a calming, soothing voice? Can you help set a standard for maybe older siblings in the house that, hey, we want to be soothing, we want to be calming, because you being that calming, soothing person for your preschooler might actually be calming and soothing for you. Preschool families, what does it look like for you to say, hey, I want to be the soothing space in my kid's life? And as soon as you get out of that preschool phase, you hit an elementary phase. Honestly, elementary phase is one of my favorites as a parent because so much happens in such a short amount of time. First grade to fourth grade, there's so much development that happens, but there's also a new kind of chaos because elementary age kids, they're a special kind of fun. That special kind of fun is creative energy. You get a bunch of elementary kids together in an environment and you get them going on any sort of game and there is creative energy that is catalytic. But here's the piece that I'd encourage you to remember about your elementary kids. And that's it. It's encourage. Can you encourage and encourage and encourage? Can you build their identity in Jesus and encourage them to be them? Let them be creative. Let them be artistic, even in the mess. I know it's a special kind of mess and you just got out of the mess of preschool years, but can you give them space to use those creative scientific energies that are just learning and curious and trying to see the world in a new light and just encourage them? Can you encourage them to live? You encourage them to have boundaries as well, but can you encourage them? Because that encouraging voice as a parent you can do this. Let's try it. Sounds like fun. What an adventure that'll be. You're actually building into them their own positive reinforcements that you are for them. Some of my favorite people at PCC serve in our elementary age because they're the voices of men, women, young and older that say, oh, you can do it. Let's try it. I want to try it with you. So we got preschool at soothing, elementary at encouraging. Let's bring on middle school. Now, if you are in middle school, you know what I'm going to be talking about. And if you're yet to be in middle school, listen in, because this is going to be key. Did you know that in the mind, the brain, the cognitive development of a middle schooler, ages 11 to 14, does the same amount of energy and formatting as the preschool years? The gray matter in our frontal lobe begins to develop in a train momentum of a time. Those middle school years, they're crazy. You go from special kind of mess to special kind of, I don't know what's in front of me. See, middle schoolers are going through physical, social, developmental stages, and it's compounding for them. And in being compounding, here's what they need. And here's your word, reaffirming. Can you help middle schoolers know that they're okay in who they are because they're not done yet? 
One of the greatest things you could do for middle school is reaffirm them that they're not odd, they're not weird, they're human. They're going through natural changes and they're going through natural changes and they're trying to figure out who they are becoming. And that's a key thing. Because in this prepubescent and early prepubescent years, this momentum that's happening is critical to who they will become. So the words we use, if they're reaffirming, will have impact. Middle school years were some of the hardest years for me as a dad because I saw my little boys turning into young men and I didn't always know where to meet them. But I knew if I could just reaffirm them and who they were, I could rest on that. And I did. I did a lot of resting on that. Middle school years were a hard year for our family. But what wasn't hard was reaffirming my sons to be who they are becoming, not who I wanted them to be. Which now brings on high school. Season I'm still in, I have a senior and a junior. And you want to talk about time moving fast? High school has moved incredibly fast. There's so many milestones, moments for our students, for our kids in those years. There's driving there's proms, there's homecomings, there's varsity sports, there's graduation, there's post high school thoughts. All of that is concentrated in a short amount of time. There's adult problems in a teenage world. There's a lot going on. And here is what I think is the word for high school. If you're in the high school years, it's this empower. See, the world is going faster and they know it and they're on a clock and they feel like they're on the clock. But can you empower them to stand on their own, that they have everything they need to take on the challenges in front of them? Can you empower them left and right? Can you empower them to make healthy choices? Can you empower them to live into adulthood? And I genuinely believe that those high school students that are empowered are able to take better first steps post high school because there's a confidence. And if we stack all these together to be a soothing, calming voice, to be encouraging, to be reaffirming, to then empower, what are we doing? We're launching adults into the world, but we're launching adults that have been focused and encouraged to follow Jesus into a world, to be kingdom living people. And the beauty about that is we're in this together. So families, if you're curious about that and you want those topics, email this email, and we'd love to get you this resource. I got two invitations for you as we close. It's this. Some of you have been eavesdropping. You're like, man, I could be a soothing, encouraging, reaffirming, empowering voice to kids and teens would love for you to serve. Email that same email and we'd love to get you connected to serving. Now in a pandemic and how all the changes our church has gone through, serving around kids and teens has been challenging from online to in person, not in person, but we're regathering. And in regathering, we're gonna need men and women that are willing to step into, I'm here with you. The other thing is I'd love to invite you to the virtual patio. I'll be hanging out there for a little bit. Would love to say hi to you. Coach Bible was not an adult who soothed, encouraged, empowered, or reaffirmed me. But I could give you countless other names that have. So men and women, I'm asking you, your words have impact. And if empowering people is more like Jesus than enraging them, can we be sure that our words are for people? Men and women and parents, guardians, grandparents at PCC, can we also be mindful that the words we use have impact for the legacy of our kids and teens? So let's lean into that. Thanks for being with us today and know we're with, we're in this with you. We're in this with you and as a body of people that want to follow Jesus. Look forward to seeing you next week when we talk about the power of people because people have impact. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online 
at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.